At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, we're going to talk college football for the first time. Really, as we get ready for this upcoming season, I have, uh, haven't really dove into my college football prep yet. I mean, I have slightly, once the South Point opened up those game of the year lines, I kind of looked at uh, some of them and, and and made some circles. And then obviously you got, you know, some sharps, guys like Brad Powers hitting them and, and the lines moving completely. But I, I haven't done a lot of college football prep yet. I'm just not there. Like, I'm, I'm still, I'm like still laser focused in Major League Baseball. You guys know I'm a big baseball capper. And so that's got my focus right now. But my two best sports are baseball and college football. And so I, I will start, you know, diving into college football as uh, the summer moves along here. But coming up about 15 minutes or so from now, we'll be joined by our good friend, uh, football scout, coach, and consultant, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I want to get his thoughts on uh, really the, or the, the beginning process here for me, at least, of diving into uh, these college football teams and what we should expect to see come this fall in college football. Uh, latest update right now is all about Paolo Boncaro. The uh, Duke star is now the overwhelming favorite to go number one overall. It is a massive shift in the market. And this all happened in the last, I, I don't know, at, at two hours. But just overall, in the last 72 hours, Boncaro moved from about plus 1,600, so about 16 to 1, he moved to minus 200. And what's interesting is that, um, and here's an article from Alex Kennedy from Basketball News who talks about how Magic President of Basketball Operations Jeff Weltman was asked whether Boncaro worked out for Orlando and he refused to answer. The team publicized their workouts with Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, and uh, fans were wondering if his silence meant that uh, they didn't want to let anything, you know, uh, loose here. But I think that this is real. You know, we, we heard from our guest, um, uh, Brandon Anderson, 
last night, we talked to Rob Doster from the Field of 68, uh, Brandon from the Action Network, Rob from the Field of 68, and, and, and everyone seems to agree that Paolo Boncaro is the most NBA-ready player in this draft. I mean, for me, it's Boncaro and Jaden Ivey. Like, those are the two guys, I think, that are going to be, like, your favorites for uh, Rookie of the Year. But if the Orlando Magic are sitting here and finalizing their draft board as we're, you know, less than 24 hours out for the, from this draft, then maybe there is this belief that, you know what? The, the, the guy that that is the most NBA-ready that everyone is talking about, that's Paolo Boncaro, and he should be on the top of our draft board, not Jabari Smith. And maybe they, you know, again, all of this could be for nothing. And the Orlando Magic could have Jabari Smith on top of their draft board. Information gets out. I always say this when it comes to the NFL draft. Information gets out because somebody wants the information to get out. And maybe the Orlando Magic are floating the information that they are taking Paolo Boncaro number one overall because they are looking to trade back out of the number one pick. Maybe they feel, and this is this, again, this is all hypothetical. But maybe they feel that they can get Jabari Smith or somebody else at three or four. And maybe it's Houston that really wants Paolo Boncaro that says, all right, you know what? We'll move up to number one and you move back to number three and we will take Paolo Boncaro number one overall. So just because the steam is moving on Boncaro to go number one doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the Orlando Magic taking him number one overall. Keep in mind um, that in what year was it? Uh, I think it was the year that Markel Fultz was drafted, there there was the trade at the top of the draft where it was Markel Fultz went to the 76ers and the Celtics took Jason Tatum at third overall. And it wasn't there, a, a, I think there was the trade there because I think like Boston had the number one pick and Philadelphia, you know, made the trade. And so they take Markel Fultz one, and the Celtics wind up taking Jason Tatum third overall. And, and maybe that's what's happening here. That maybe it's Houston all along that is going to take Paolo Boncaro, but something's being floated out there whether it's from OKC or whether it's from Orlando and the, the Magic are, are on the phone and they're trying to make a deal and it, they could wind up swapping out of the number one pick. And so all this steam on Paolo Boncaro to go number one 
doesn't, all I'm trying to say is it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the Orlando Magic saying we're taking this guy and people get this information out there. It could mean, hey, the Orlando Magic are on the phone with the Houston Rockets and they're trading this pick. And the Rockets are going to pick number one and the Rockets want Paolo Boncaro. And Orlando still thinks that they can get Jabari Smith at at three overall. Whereas, you know, Chet Holmgren is pretty locked into Oklahoma City at two. I think that's a real possibility. And one that the market could be accounting for and maybe not. I mean, right now, let's update the odds. So, Paolo Boncaro, I'm seeing, uh, let's see, let's compare some books here. We got minus 190 on one book. I got minus 175 on another book. So he's still, he's the favorite right now to be the number one overall selection. To be the number two overall selection, Chet Holmgren minus 150. I see minus 140 as well. So he's the favorite to go second overall. Uh, Jabari Smith actually is minus 105 on one book to go second overall. To go third overall, it is... Chet Holmgren, I'm seeing plus 155. Jabari Smith, plus 170 to go third overall. I also see now DraftKings has Jabari plus 120 to go third overall. So, I mean, the market is really just going insanely. I mean, it's calmed down now over the last hour or so. Uh, I guess people put their bets in and then went to sleep. But... It's been, it's certainly been a roller coaster here where the movement has gone with the uh, NBA draft. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to break it down uh, while it's happening here on VSIN. You want to make sure that you stay locked in here all day coming up on Thursday and uh, Thursday night during the draft, in fact, right here on VSIN. I'll actually be, be with you uh, on the nightcap. So I'll be on the air during the uh, NBA draft. We'll see exactly what is going down there at, uh, I believe it's the Barclays Center, right? The the draft, is that where the location is now every year? So uh, they made that change. I used to go to the draft when I was in New York and and, and working for uh, the the Knicks network. And, um, you know, it was always at the theater at Madison Square Garden, which is like, you know, it's upstairs at the garden. They have the theater, and that's where the draft used to be. Uh, and then they moved it, and now it's at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. So NBA draft, going to be very exciting to see what goes down here and what trades are made come draft day and draft night. There was a trade that went down here on Wednesday, and it was the Blazers getting Jeremy Grant from the Pistons for a 2025 first-round pick. And this is interesting because the Pistons are the team that has the fifth overall pick, so you wonder now, who do they draft to replace Jeremy Grant? And if you're thinking about it, you know, Jeremy Grant had a a nice season. He's a nice player. I mean, I remember we used to, uh, you know, people were, we were betting on his props, and he would go over a scoring prop like every night, but... Uh, do they take Jaden Ivey if he's there at five? Or because they trade Jeremy Grant, do they go after a forward in Keegan Murray? And I think that that's the consensus now 
is that Keegan Murray, the 6'8 forward from Iowa, is the pick for Detroit to replace Jeremy Grant. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Uh, before we know it, it's going to be football season. And we've done a lot of NFL conversation here on the program over the past you know, month or so. Uh, but we haven't done a lot of college football. I want to get into some college football coming up next. Our good friend, football uh, scout, coach, and consultant, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will join me. We'll talk college football. Chris has worked on staff with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, uh, was in the Tennessee Titans front office, spent some time at LSU as well. Lots of football knowledge. We're going to pick his brain coming up next year on The Look Ahead here on VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Back on the look ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSN, the sports betting network. Joining me now to talk some college football is our good friend Chris Landry. He is a football scout, coach, and consultant. Runs the website LandryFootball.com. Chris has worked on staff with both Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. I uh, was in the Tennessee Titans front office and. Spent some years at LSU as well. And Chris, uh, here we are, late June. Where are you with your college football prep? How are you coming along? Well, in pretty good shape, although I will admit that in the transfer portal age, it's a little different, and that is that is something that has really expanded and compl- made uh, things a little more complex the past few years. But in pretty good shape because – most of the roster moves have been made. There'll, there'll still be some others, but most of them have been made. And so what I do is I go off of my film grade notes from last year, and then I certainly look in. You have to make the adjustments of obviously who left and then who's coming in. I think the biggest thing is to try to figure out how many, if any, early contributors from the freshman class could really help a team uh, because most of those guys are going to help you a year or two down the road. But I would say uh, in pretty good shape in terms of, you know, um, you know where things are as best you can be at this point. With the, Again, so you know, the only thing you, you wonder about is if you have somebody that were to leave at a star position, certainly a quarterback position, that could certainly affect a team. Um, if they were to leave, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's usually, you know, 
the the case at this point in the transfer portal era. When it comes to you know transfers and guys having an impact right away, do you expect Quinn Ewers to be one of the guys that has the biggest impact from the transfer portal? I think there's a, a pretty good chance. It's going to be interesting to see as he's a guy that's gotten a lot of publicity and he's made more news off the field with his ability with NIL than he has on the field. But he, he certainly comes with uh, at least high school tape that's been very, very impressive. But I, 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 I'm, I'm still a little skeptical and that I really want to see it a little more. But the guy's got a lot of ability. They're, they're going to expect him to – to certainly have uh, a pretty early impact. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's certainly one of them. How about Caleb Williams going to USC? Well, a, an immensely talented guy. Obviously, Lincoln Riley has a good feel for how to use him as a dual-threat guy, and he could have a tremendous impact because, you know, listen, they've had good quarterbacks over there, but this is going to be interesting to see what Lincoln can do. I like the skill position athletes over there. I like the chances of the USC being a relatively quick turnaround because I don't think there's a lot of difficult defenses that they have to go up against athletically week in and week out in the Pac-12. Caleb was a star. I mean, a superstar caliber quarterback. And I think going into the Pac-12, he can have a huge impact. Well, while we're on the topic of Oklahoma transfers, uh, Spencer Rattler for the South Carolina Gamecocks, what impact do you think he'll have? I think he could have a really big impact because of the fact that Shane Beamer knows him, is confident in him. Now, I think the key for Spencer is, does he have the mental toughness and the mental makeup to be great? Because he didn't handle being benched very well. And I'm not saying that you need to like it, but he didn't, you know, go out and challenge. He seemed to be a little aloof. So, but he's got a lot of talent. And look, let's just call it what it is. He is not the type of guy that South Carolina would normally be able to get from recruiting. And so this is going to be interesting in the age of the transfer portal. If you're a South Carolina, you're an Ole Miss you can't get five-star guys unless you get them to transfer from the place that they signed out of high school. This is a talented guy, a more talented guy than they've had at South Carolina in some time. So I'm curious to see what Shane can do. And South Carolina team is kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, they're improving, but he could be a difference maybe in a couple of games that could take him certainly into a bowl game potentially. So what does Brent Venables have now at Oklahoma? Well, I think that is a little bit more uh, murky at this point. I think it's Jeff Lebby. He's putting a lot of confidence in Jeff Lebby, who obviously did great things at Ole Miss and Central Florida uh, in his days. But he, he really did a great job for Lane Kiffin. And now Jeff is, is the, back at his alma mater, Oklahoma. And, and obviously I think that what they're going to be able to do is put together the type of up-tempo offense that's going to make the quarterback play uh, be very quarterback friendly and benefit from that. I think the most intriguing thing with Brent is as a defensive coach, I think he wants to take a lot of the Clemson blueprint, which is, yeah, we want to score. We want to run some up-tempo, but we need to be able to throttle it down because if we're going to be good defensively, we're going to have to play complementary ball more than – Lincoln Riley was able to play at Oklahoma, which I thought made, gave them a pretty low ceiling nationally. Uh, I think this is going to be interesting to see what Brent can do because Jeff Levy is 
you know, is from the Art Browse, his, his father-in-law. And, and so it's the I'm going to run 100 plays a game type of mentality that really doesn't fit with good defense. So that's maybe the most intriguing I'm looking forward to seeing how that works together type question in college football this year amongst the big schools anyway is it going to be dylan gabriel a quarterback well i think he's got a good shot but they've got a couple of good young guys that are that are going to be in the mix but dylan is the guy that can run the offense and get them in the right play and the right make the right decisions at the line of scrimmage so i think he's got a pretty good shot speaking of young guys coming in chris um cade klubnik at clemson uh stud freshman any chance that he unseats dj I don't think so, but first of all, DJ's got to have a much better year. That's the first thing. And I think it's difficult for a young guy to come in right away. And I'll throw in this. It's really in, in, you know, the biggest concern I got with Clemson is we just talked about it. Venables is gone and and obviously they've lost their two co-coordinators over the past two years. And Dabo's not the X's and O guy. So my concern, and Dabble's idea, though, is you've got to kind of bide your time. So I think it's DJ's job. If he completely, you know, uh, plays his way out of it, I, I, I don't know that they're going to have another option other than, I mean, they've got some good, young, talented guys. I think it's, with Kludnick, it's really going to depend upon uh, what type of, you know, fall practice he has and how much ready is he? Because, as you know, it's a phys- it's not a physical position. You've got to have the physical skills. He's got that. It's more about uh, do you know how to run the offense? And finally, if it's not uh, one of the top teams, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, et cetera, uh, who's somebody that could be knocking on the door this year of the college football playoff? Who's on your radar as a team to look out for? Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, college football from the standpoint of, you know, uh, making sleepers and all that, that's the most boring thing because there really is not any. So basically, it's true. You just hit the three teams. Yeah. Okay. So where's the other team that's going to come in? There's somebody else has got to get in and get the fourth the spot. But who's that going to be? All right, so let's just just look at it real quick. Is somebody come out of the the Pac-12? Um, does does USC turn around enough or Oregon? I, you know, could they be the sacrificial lamb? Probably not, but that's a candidate. Let's go to the Big Twelve because we have to. Let, certainly, Texas is not there. I don't think Oklahoma is going to be in that position. Could it be a Baylor that could sleep in? I don't. That that would be your candidate, but they don't really match up against the top four teams, but they could be that. I really think that the next best teams probably come from somewhere else from the typical teams. I don't think A&M is going to be quite as good this year as people think, but some people are going to throw them out there. But you got to get through the West and Alabama. So I think it's, you know, to me, it's Alabama, it's uh, – Georgia, I think they both have a great chance to get in. Really like Ohio State. And you know what? I'll throw in the fact that because the conference is so weak, I'd throw in a Clemson and say, you know what? They can navigate a schedule. Even they may not be a really elite team by the end of the year, maybe they have an unbeaten record. So I think it's those three and then somebody else 
to be determined, and I can't wait to break it down in the fall because we're going to see who's going to emerge. But right now, I think there's a missing four. The usual suspects. Chris, I appreciate the time and the conversation. I can't wait to keep diving in as we progress throughout the summer. Hey, thanks so much, Scott. Appreciate you. He's Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and consultant from LandryFootball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. I'm sure he's just, you know, studying the film each and every day here, staying in the AC uh, and keeping cool. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I I can't wait to play some Heisman long shots because – I know we have the the, the, like the usual suspects that we talk about. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young on top. Caleb Williams is certainly an interesting name as well. But maybe there's some value on some guys down the board, including a, a sleeper somewhat at 50-1 to 1 that I really think is intriguing. Maybe I'll let you guys in on the secret coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Put some cash in your pockets with the Wrangler Hoops Draft Challenge. Make your picks on where the future stars will land at DraftKings.com/Wrangler and compete for your share of ten thousand dollars in prizes. Wrangler for the ride of life. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, real quick, uh, let's pay off the tease about the potential Heisman uh, winner. I'm going to get more into this, obviously, as we get closer to the college football season and uh, I you know, start doing my prep for the college football season. But Jameer Gibbs is a transfer running back from Georgia Tech, I believe, that is now playing at Alabama. And from a lot of things that I'm seeing out here, he could be the most impactful transfer this season. Not the quarterbacks that are playing for other schools, but Jameer Gibbs. And we've seen Alabama running backs. You know, it hadn't happened for forever, but Alabama running backs have had success and gone on to win the Heisman Trophy, right? So um, maybe. Maybe Jameer Gibbs is the guy. And also, think about this. Remember the last time, I mean, well, I'm saying not the last time, but I remember when um, Matt Leinert, was it Bush that won it first or Leinert that won it first? Leinert won it first, and then Reggie Bush won it the year after. And this could be like a similar situation where Bryce Young wins it last year, his running back, who this year is going to be Jameer Gibbs, wins it this year. You know, because like everyone's, you know, talking about Bryce Young, oh, Heisman favorite and all this stuff. I, I don't think the voters are going to give it to him, you know, to win it two times, which hasn't been done since, you know, Archie Griffin's the only one to ever do it. You'd have to be really special. Like, Tim Tebow didn't even win it twice. Like, and he really could have. So, um, I think that if Alabama has a ridiculous season, which they could always do, and Gibbs has, you know, he's the best running back in the country, and yeah, Bryce Young does what Bryce Young did last year, I think maybe Gibbs is the guy that can win this award. So he's at 50-1 to one right now. Could be worth a flyer. 
I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Let's get into a little Major League Baseball. Uh, take a look at this board here for Thursday. There are some early games. Uh, you got the Rockies and the Marlins. This is going to be a noon Eastern time start from Miami. The Rockies are uh, looking to avoid the sweep here. And this could be a good spot for Colorado. Just just thinking about the situational spot here for Miami. Miami is uh, closing out the series here on uh, Thursday, right? And I believe they go to Minnesota for Friday. Right? Does that make sense? Let me look at this. I mean, let me see something here with the schedule. We got, what's today? Today's Thursday the 23rd. And then Friday the 24th. Now, why am I seeing Mets Marlins Friday the 24th? Yeah, the Mets are playing the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins are playing the Mets. But yet, oh, you know why? I was looking at Colorado's schedule. My bad. My bad. Let's redo this. Rewind. Ready? Coming down in three, two, one. It's an old radio joke, people. Uh, the Marlins will host the Mets in a series starting on Friday. That's a big, um, that's like a, a motivational spot for them, right? They just went to New York for a four-game set where they lost three of four. And the only win was Sandy Day. Sandy Alcantara, the win over Chris Bassett. And Alcantara is pitching here on Friday. So the Marlins, you know, feel pretty good. It's also a day game spot on Friday. Um, well, not a day game. I guess it's a 640 um, Eastern time start. So all I'm saying is Miami could be look. Not, I don't know, you know, maybe it's a look ahead. Maybe it's just, look, we've already won these first two games against Colorado, and now we're just kind of making sure maybe some guys get the day off here on Thursday so that all of our guys are ready and we have our best lineup with the players that are available, because I know there are still some guys that are out, but maybe it's maybe it's not the best lineup here uh, going up against the Rockies. But then again, you know, it's Kyle Freeland. It's the Rockies who are 11-20 and 20 on the road this season. And Braxton Garrett, who's made just three starts this season, uh, allowed four runs in his first start, no earned runs in his second start, and then three runs against the Mets in his third start. So I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know what to expect from Kyle Freeland, who, listen, can go out there and do anything from throwing seven innings of one-run ball like he did against the Braves, or he could get rocked for four runs in five innings. We've seen him do that, too. So ultimately, this is probably a stay-away spot for me, but I'm just trying to talk myself into, like, what could go into this game between the Marlins and the Rockies. Uh, you got the Giants and the Braves. This is a 12-20 Eastern time start. Alex Wood against Kyle Wright. Uh, the Braves and Giants, this is this is the uh, fourth game of the set. The um, Braves took the first uh, two of the first three games. The Braves win game one, two to one. They lose game two, 12-10. They win 4-3 in the walk-off win here on Wednesday. So you're looking at the Giants and uh, Alex Wood on the hill, whose numbers are 
you know, a, a, a little bit better than what they are on the surface. Uh, the Giants, it is a getaway spot for them. They will head cross-country after the game, fly back home, so they have a matchup with Cincinnati on Friday night. So uh, it is a getaway spot for San Francisco and Alex Wood against Kyle Wright. Cubs will take on the Pirates. Justin Steele against Jose Quintana. Quintana um, also a guy. And same thing with Justin Steele. Both of these guys have been a little bit better than what their surface numbers indicate, although Quintana as of late has has been given up some runs, uh, has given up two runs, four runs, four runs, and three runs all here in the month of June. Meanwhile, Justin Steele, uh, let me look at his numbers because he, you know, we, we like Justin Steele. Justin Steele has one of these, like, advanced, uh, you know, barrel rates and things like that. Last time he started out was against Atlanta, the game that actually snapped the losing streak. And if I go here, I want to take a look at something real quick on uh, Justin Steele. Because if I'm correct, he is still, yep, he's got one of the lowest barrel percentages in Major League Baseball. He uh, is a 32% sweet spot. Um, he only has a 1.2 barrel percentage, according to Baseball Savant. If I look at his expected stats, like his ex-WOBA, XWOBA, which takes into account the quality of contact uh, in, in all of the at-bats that occur against you, uh, this season, let's look at the numbers here for Justin Steele. It's a 305. It's not terrible, but he's pitching to a 4.27 ERA. He's got a 3.39 expected ERA. So his numbers on the surface are actually a little bit worse than what his numbers really should be. Opponents this year batting 254 against him, and the expected batting average. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. So no difference there. Slugging, same thing. So no real uh, expectancy changes there. If we look at his uh, fan graph stats and we take a look at his, uh, let's see. I want to see what his expected FIP is. Right now, Justin Steele is pitching to a eh, three-point, where are we? He's got a 3.46 FIP. Expected FIP a little higher than that, but both his FIP and his XFIP are still lower than his ERA. So a guy that is maybe a little bit unlucky this season at times. Uh, I, I, let me see what the odds are for this game because I can see the Cubs pulling this one out. Chicago minus 120. Yeah, it makes sense that the Cubs are a slight favorite. That would be a lean for me is the Cubs here over the Pirates. And maybe it's a Cubs first five play just backing Justin Steele against Jose Quintana. But that's an early lean for me. A uh, couple other day games on the schedule. Clayton Kershaw against Hunter Green as the Dodgers take on the Reds. L.A. is a huge favorite, minus 230. But do they deserve to be this heavy of a favorite? Let's dive a little deeper into Hunter Green and the Reds coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll continue to look at Thursday's Major League Baseball board coming up right here on The Look Ahead here on v the 
Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Head on VSN, the sports betting network. It's the look ahead here on VSN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Taking a look at the Major League Baseball board here coming up for uh, Thursday and the Dodgers, who are heavily favored. Um, against the Cincinnati Reds, and rightfully so. Look, it's the Dodgers, it's the Reds. Uh, Cincinnati uh, has kind of dropped off from being the highest scoring team at home this season. Uh, they have dropped now at home one, two, three, four, five straight losses at home. And in these losses, they have only scored four runs, uh, three runs, three runs, two runs, and four runs. And not good for a team that is still averaging on the year 5.56 runs per game at home, but uh, there was a time where they were pushing six runs per game at home, and so it has not been a good stretch here for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. The Dodgers will send Clayton Kershaw to the hill. And Clayton Kershaw in, you know, his couple games back here since the ILs has, has looked has looked okay. Um a little bit of concern for me for the Dodgers. They uh are in Cincinnati here trying to close out a three game sweep in a game that is scheduled for a nine thirty five AM. Pacific time start. Now, I know they've been in Cincinnati for a couple of days, and these little professional athletes get sleep schedules and all, whatever, you know, specialists and all that stuff. Still, it's a getaway day spot where the Dodgers could be looking ahead to just getting out of Cincinnati and getting themselves into Atlanta, where they will start a series against the defending World Series champions on Friday night. Hunter Green takes the mound, who on the surface has not looked good, right? Because he had a couple of games where he got rocked. He's got a 5.26 ERA. 
But if you look at his advanced numbers, and I don't want to get too sabermetric here, but, you know, we talk about things like fielding independent pitching. Um, There's also something called skill interactive ERA, uh, Sierra. If you ever hear people talk about a pitcher's Sierra, what that means is it's like an it's like your 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 fielding independent pitching, except it takes into account what happens on batted balls in play. So if you have a high xFIP, but you're getting a ton of ground balls. And maybe you're getting a ton of pop-ups and you're not allowing hard contact. Well, your Sierra is going to be low. So right now, looking at uh, Hunter Green's ERA is 5.26. His FIP is 5.29. But his Sierra, his skill interactive ERA is 3.69. Now, Kershaw's got a Sierra of 2.94. Kershaw's FIP is 2.61, and his ERA is 2.08. So he's like right around the same. But Green is actually pitching better than what you you would think on the surface. And we've seen that because we've actually seen a couple of starts from Hunter Green where he's gone out there and, and, and shocked you. Right, he had the no hitter that was not, you know, a near no no, um, where he went seven innings, allowed just the one hit uh, against Milwaukee, gave some runs back, four runs in five innings. Prior to that, one run against St. Louis in five innings, sh- seven shutout against Arizona. He got roughed up by Boston, but then again, who doesn't? He got roughed up by the Cubs. That was a surprising game. Before that, six innings of one run ball against Toronto. So I mean, it, he's up and down. But this could be a spot where the Dodgers might be a little bit overpriced in a game. Yeah, I know it's Clayton Kershaw, but Hunter Green could go out there and maybe take advantage of a depleted Dodgers lineup, especially a Dodger lineup that might be taking the day off as they get ready for a weekend series against the Atlanta Braves. So I'd keep an eye on the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Zach Plezak goes for the Guardians against uh, Devin Smeltzer for the Twins. Twins are minus 140. Uh, Cardinals take on the Brewers. Dakota Hudson goes for St. Louis. Jason Alexander for the Brewers. Cards are minus 115. Mariners will send Robbie Ray to the hill against Frankie Montas and the A's. Seattle minus 135. Astros and Yankees. I love this matchup here. Yankees are minus 130 right now at home with Jamison Tyone, who's 8-1 this season with a 2.7 ERA. Framber Valdez, 7-3 with a 2.78 ERA for the Astros. And, you know, you're looking at... Um, I was looking at this earlier uh, in terms of barrel percentage, uh, you know, because I love looking at that. Like, are you getting hit hard and, and whatnot? Uh, Framber Valdez has put up great numbers all season long. Uh, Framber Valdez, just looking at his barrel percentage, it, it's one of the best in Major League Baseball. He's at a 2.1. And let's see what Jamison Tyone is because he hasn't been hit hard either. Uh, he's at a 4.1. So a little more harder contact that Tyone has allowed um, than uh, Framer Valdez. I actually think the Astros could be a good value here. I hate betting against the Yankees, but you're giving me the Astros at plus money. That lineup, 
at Yankee Stadium with Framber Valdez on the hill against Tyone. Yankees just had to come from behind here against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they, they take two of three from Tampa. This is a big series now for them. So it's going to be interesting. Emotions will certainly be high. Anytime the Yankees and the Astros take on each other, the emotions are always high. Uh, Orioles take on the White Sox. You got Johnny Cueto on the hill for Chicago against Dean Kramer for uh, Baltimore. Last time we saw Cueto, he threw seven shutout innings against the Astros. Prior to that, he gave up three runs in five innings against Texas. Uh, Cueto's been an interesting case this year. He has provided something in this White Sox rotation that they've needed. Uh, at times, he's been very, very good. Um, the Orioles better against lefties than righties. This one, not sure where to go on this. Total is at nine. I could see the White Sox scoring off of Kramer, but Kramer has been pretty good this year uh, in just three starts. Six shutout innings last time out here against Tampa Bay. Gave up two runs against Kansas City and three runs against Cleveland in his first start. Um, so not sure where I, I would lean on this one. It, it is an interesting game. And then you got the Phillies and the Padres and Joe Musgrove on the hill against Ranger Suarez. San Diego right now, minus 150, a total of seven. Ranger Suarez has got great stuff. And, and there's a reason why I bet this kid to win the National League Cy Young before the season started. It ain't going to happen. But he, last season, he was just nasty. And he still has the elite stuff. I watched his last start against Washington, five and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts. He gives up three runs, including a homer on six hits. Um, in that start, he, he threw a couple of pitches that were like elite-level pitches. And the announcers just kept talking about how he's had a difficult time this year controlling the slider and really spotting his fastball. But when he puts it all together, like he's he's unhittable. It just hasn't really come together this season. Meanwhile, for Joe Musgrove, it absolutely has come together. Joe Musgrove has made 12 starts this year for the San Diego Padres. He has only allowed two or fewer runs in all 12 of those starts. He's got a 1.59 ERA. Opponents are batting 196 against him this season. Yes, the Philly lineup's good. Yes, the Philly lineup could get to him. Um, this could be a spot where, honestly, I take a look at the under because the Philly lineup is averaging under two runs per game in the last four or five games. They only scored two runs here on Wednesday. They got shut out on Tuesday. There was, a, I think it was two runs the game before that. No, excuse me, three runs the game before that. Two runs the game before that. So it's been a little bit of a slump here for this Phillies lineup. Not a good recipe when you're going up against Joe Musgrove. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Raphael Barlow from NBABigBoard.com. He's going to talk NBA draft. And Mike Palm, uh, VP right here at Circa and, of course, host of uh, Odds On here on VSIN will join the program. It's all coming up this morning on Follow the Money. Paolo Boncaro is your new favorite to be the number one overall pick in Thursday night's NBA draft. What an insane roller coaster 
this was for this market. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare